0: so I was inspired this week Um, I don't watch the Academy Awards Uh, just not a big fan necessarily football season's over and I'm still depressed Um, so but anyway the Academy Awards very interesting I don't know if you are familiar with what happened I'm sure you are it was all over the news Um, but they got to the biggest announcement of the night best picture Last thing they do, a big celebration, and they announced La La Land as the winner. And all the people from La La Land came on stage, and they had their awards, and they were celebrating, and all of a sudden, somebody comes up and says, wait a minute, we gave the award to the wrong movie. So they stopped. They had a new envelope. They opened the envelope, and it was actually Moonlight that was the best picture. And so all those people on stage Had to move out of the way, so the Moonlight people would come up, and they did all of their speeches and stuff. And and I was—I saw the replay of what happened, and the the looks on the faces, and what was going on. And I thought of the Southwest Airlines commercial: "Want to get away? (laughs) Because you really messed up, right?" And so this huge failure was. Sent across the world, and people all over the world saw this amazing failure, and you had to find out who did it, who messed up, and they found the guy that was texting instead of whatever was going on, and he wasn't paying attention, had the wrong envelope, and really felt foolish, right? So I saw that, and it really inspired me for today's message. Because all of us have failed. All of us have failure in our lives. And sometimes the failure is very public, like it was for the Academy Awards. Sometimes only a few people know. Sometimes only you and God know. A failure is something that we all deal with, something we all face. And so the question we're answering today is when failure is a part of my life and has been a part of my life, how do I find victory in that? How do I find victory when I have failed? How do I find victory, especially when I have failed against God? So today we're going to talk about Hosea and Gomer, Uh, and so we're going to be in Hosea 14, but before you turn there, there's a long story to get us there, all right? So I need to tell you the story of Hosea and Gomer. Hosea was a prophet, and God came to Hosea one day and said, Hosea, I want you to get married, and I want you to marry a woman who's going to be unfaithful to you. That's quite a call, isn't it? But he did. They got married. They had several children. And we read the book. Uh, they were given very depressing names. <laughs> and uh, I'll let you look that up on your own. Um, but it turned out that God was right. Gomer, the wife, she left Hosea. And not only was she unfaithful, but she pursued a life of prostitution. And after a life of prostitution, and after some time doing that, it turned out she became destitute. And she, she sold herself into slavery, which was a common practice during that time. So God came to Hosea a second time, and he said, now, Hosea, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go find Gomer, and I want you to buy her back and set her free and make her your wife again. Now, that would, it sounds really bizarre to us, but it was even more bizarre in that day and time. Okay? Because... Women had no rights, they had no position, they couldn't own property, they, they really had no power whatsoever except what was associated with their husband. And so for Hosea to go and buy back his wife, to make her his wife again, the people would have looked at him like, you are crazy. You have every right by the law to not only divorce your wife, but to send her away and even have her killed if you choose to, and you can go find another wife. Why are you messing with this woman? Let her go. And so he went back and he, he purchased Gomer's freedom, took her back as his wife, and then all of that became an illustration for how the people of Israel have been treating God. And God was so frustrated with the people of Israel, and he said, you have been prostituting yourself with other gods. You have been chasing other things, and you have failed miserably. But in spite of myself, I still love you. So we pick up in Hosea chapter 14. It's the last part of the of the book. It's on page 908 for using the pew Bible. Hosea chapter 14, <clears throat> and God wants the people of Israel to overcome their failure. And here's what he says for them to do. Hosea 14, verse 1, page 908 in the Pew Bible. He says this, "'Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. "'Your sins have been your downfall. "'Take words with you and return to the Lord. "'Say to him, forgive all our sins "'and receive us graciously.' That we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you, the fatherless, find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel, he will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will will be like an olive tree. His fragrance, like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper with fruitlessness. Your fruitlessness comes from me. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. And so God, in his love for the Israelite people, uh, gives them a formula, if you will, on how to overcome failure in their, in their lives and in their journey. We're, so we're going to camp out in verses 1 through 4. Uh, and he starts this, Return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take your words with you and return to the Lord. So, the first thing that has to happen when we have failure in our life is we have to stop and turn around. The word return there means to stop and change your direction and go back to where you came from. Have you ever, and so you understand, have you ever gone on a vacation and you've gotten 30 miles from home and you realized you left something at home that you had to have for the vacation? Has anybody ever done that? It's just, just the axles that do that. Okay? And so you, you have this decision to make. Do I turn around and go get that thing we, can't, we have to have, or do we try to make it without it? It may be the keys to the place you're going, and you have to have it, so you, you turn around. Well, that's the picture is you are running in the wrong direction for what you need. You stop and turn around and come back. And God said to the Israelite people, Stop realize you're headed the wrong direction and turn around and come back to me. And so one of the things that we have to realize is that if we are headed the wrong direction and we are pursuing failure, we, we have to stop and we have to say, this is the wrong way. I need to go back. See, that's so hard to do. Now, I don't know how you were raised and, and what your home life was, was like but I'm going to tell you some of the worst words I ever heard in all my life were, "Wait till your dad gets home." Okay? I don't know if anybody else had those words said to them, um, but and, and honestly, I got in trouble rarely. I had two older brothers that got in trouble all the time, and I saw the results of that, and I realized that what they were receiving as fun was not worth the punishment, and so but there were a few times when I tested the waters and I heard those words, wait till your father gets home. And I would fall on my knees and I would say, mom, please. There she goes. I'd fall on my knees and I'd say, mom, please don't tell dad, please, I'll do anything. Because when dad got home, it really, really hurt. Right? So sometimes we don't want to stop in our failure because we're afraid of what it's going to be like when we get home. We're going to be afraid of coming back to God because it may be really painful. And we, we think, that well, God is just going, to, he's just going to beat me up so bad it's not going to be worth it. But God is wooing us to come back. But he'll never make us come back. We have um, a West Highland White Terrier who is now this week a year old. I hate that I know that he's a year old this week, um, but he's a year old. And um, there are several things he really likes to do. He likes to eat, he likes to sleep, he likes to poop, and he likes to play. That's pretty much his life. And so there are times that he wants to play that we don't want to play. But he has figured out how to make us play. So for example, so he will take things that he knows we don't want him to have, and he'll start running. So for example, I was putting on my shoes and socks the other day, and I put on my first sock, and the second sock I had too close to the end of the chair, and he grabbed it and took off. So he gets about five feet away from me, stops and looks, and is like, you going to chase me? Here I am. Do you want your sock? I have to have my sock. I'm in a hurry, so I chase him. So five or ten minutes of this game of him running back and forth is what we do, until finally. Now, normally, if my wife's home and we're, we're together, we have two 50-year-olds running around the house trying to catch a dog, and uh, he has figured out to how to run throughout the kitchen, the, the dining room table and chairs, so that we can't get him. So I have to move chairs, crawl on the table, and chase him out, and my wife will get him. So anyway, that's, that's kind of how it goes. And so, but he's also figured out, when we wash clothes, we'll set them on the bed, and he will grab a pair of underwear and take off and look at us and say, are going to chase me? Um, and so we figured out if we don't chase him, he'll tear up whatever it is, or he'll come back and look at us and say, "Why well, aren't we playing? So this week, um, I got up one morning, and uh, he'd come back inside after doing one of the things he likes to do. And... He was running through the house, and there was a blue streamer behind him. And I was like, what is that? So I walked in, the, I followed him, and he ran back the other way. He was like, are you going to chase me or not? And so my dog is like a part of Shen Yun, the little Chinese dance thing with all the ribbons running through the house. And I, I said, babe, the dog has a ribbon. He said, I don't have any ribbon. What color is it? It's blue. So we come in and we see, and, and basically he had, he had taken all of the poop bags that are connected <laughs> and unrolled them as running through the house. So we finally chased him down. We, we got it back. And, and so that's how the game played, and that's how it played out. But, but here's there, there really is a spiritual truth to my dog here. God's not going to chase us down. He's going to encourage us to come back. He may allow things into our life that will prompt us to come back, but we have to choose to come back. We have to choose to stop and turn around. See, the Israelite people were having a struggle with that. They, They enjoyed pursuing other gods. They enjoyed making alliances with people they should not make alliances with. They enjoyed creating their own gods to worship. And God said, stop where you are, acknowledge the fact that you have sin in your life, and come back to me. And this idea of having to admit that we're wrong, to admit that we failed, is a very difficult thing to do. But God says, I'm not going to hunt you down. You have to come back on your own volition. You have to come back on your own. And so when we have failure in our lives and we feel distant from God, I think the first thing that we have to do is what God told the Israelite people, stop in your tracks, admit that you're wrong, and come back. The promise of Scripture in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we stop, we turn, and we admit that there's wrong. And then we go on to verse 3. And it says this, Assyria cannot save us. And this is what the people of Israel were to say to God. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. The second thing that we have to do, and again this is really hard, is we have to acknowledge that we cannot fix it. Hear that again we have to acknowledge that we cannot fix it. It doesn't mean that we have no effort. It doesn't mean that we don't try. But it comes to this realization that we can't make it right on our own. And so we stop, we turn back towards God, and we acknowledge this reality that the only way that I'm going to be made whole is if God does something inside of me. The only way that I'm going to be made right is if God intervenes. I can't fix me. And regardless of my failure, regardless how small or how big it is, I can't make it right unless God does something supernatural. You see, you look at the passage, and what God was upset with is that the Israelite people were making an agreement with the Assyrians. They were being attacked by the Egyptians, and they were scared. And so they called the Assyrians, Come save us. And so they tried to become allies. Well, it turns out, historically, the Assyrians wiped them off the map, the Israelites. He said, stop calling on other nations. Stop trying to fix this with your own armies. Understand that I'm your only hope. I'm the one who has compassion for you. I'm the one who will help you. One of the big mistakes we make as followers of Jesus is we have this idea that I can fix myself on my own, and you cannot. You see, the problem is, is we have holes in our souls. We have parts of us that are broken in our souls, and God is the only person that can fix a soul. And so we struggle with different things like addiction or, or gossip or whatever it is, and, and we can't fix those things. We can't stop it because we're dependent on God. i got a video to kind of help us understand this a little bit, so watch this. Hey, Kat.
1: Jesus! Well, oh, it's been a long time. Yeah, um, I
2: didn't expect to see you here. Whoa!
1: Uh, what's that smell? What's
2: the smell? Oh, um, well, that's my trash. I just, I'm a little embarrassed about it.
1: Oh, well, is that why you've been avoiding me?
2: Avoiding you? I, I, I haven't really been avoiding you. I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to get close to you. I mean, I, I just, I don't want you to smell it.
1: I'll take it, Kat. Come oh, on.
2: Oh, no, 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 That's okay. I mean, I made it. It's my trash. You know, I should carry it. It's, it's, it's okay.
1: Yeah, but, Kat, I mean, this is my job.
2: Right. I take
1: people's trash. That's what I do, so...
2: Right. Okay. Well, maybe I could go and just clean it up a little bit, you know? And then I'll just I'll come back. No. <laughs> Kat,
1: I don't need you to do that. Um, okay? I'll take it from you so you don't have to carry the weight. Oh, well, I... Come on. Uh, just, uh, just hand it over. Uh, all, right? all right? Let go. Let go. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: How's that feel? Weird.
2: Wow. That is crazy.
1: Just loosen it up a little bit. Oh,
2: check that out. I don't know if I've ever moved like that before. I mean, that is crazy. I just, I feel so free and alive. It's
1: the lack of trash. Whoa,
2: it's just like, this is the craziest feeling I have ever had. I just, it's like something's missing, you know? Well. Oh get my. used to feeling free, because that's yeah. what you are now. Right, okay. Uh, okay. What are you doing? I just, I gotta get one thing, okay? Hold on just a minute Get
1: here. one thing? No, yeah. no, no, no! Don't okay. open the bag!
2: Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice. I
1: really appreciate all that you've done for me. What's going on here, Kat? What? Look, I'll take the trash, but you need to put that back.
2: Oh, um, no, actually, um, that's okay. This is mine, it's my piece, I wanna keep it.
1: No, it goes right back in the bag, so I'll help you. Here, no, 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 put no, it no. here. No,
2: Jesus, I I need to remind myself not to make more trash. I mean, that just Kathleen, makes sense.
1: That's... I will remind you not to make more trash. Oh, okay? well,
2: Jesus, you know. That's what I do, I
1: mean, we'll walk together.
2: I know, but I should be in a better place than this by now. I mean, I just, I'm constantly doing things wrong, you know, and I- I'm just, I'm constantly letting you down. No, the <laughs> only
1: thing that's letting me down is, is, is you taking the this stuff back okay. look I took care of the trash before you even created it. <clears throat> look don't you see what's happening every time I take your trash away you come back and, and take another piece and the more pieces you carry around the more trash you attract it reeks Cat. when I look at you I don't see your sin I see you the real you, the free you. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what I died for.
2: Jesus, I'm sorry. I just, please forgive me.
1: I've already forgiven you. The question is, will you forgive yourself?
0: So we have this problem. We sometimes like our trash. And so the the failures that we have, we we sometimes keep pursuing them with everything that we have, and and we don't stop and return and trust God to be the one to fix us. Verse 4 is so powerful and so important. I want you to look at that with me. God said, when you stop and come back to me and admit that you are headed the wrong direction and you trust me to fix you, verse 4, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. That word turned is the same word in verse one for return. And God says, Listen, I will heal your waywardness, I will heal your desire to stray from me, I will make you whole. And I think what we have to understand is that God's goal for us in this life is not despair, it is not brokenness, it is wholeness. God desires for us to be whole, but yet sometimes, like the girl in the video, we seem to like being unwhole or incomplete, but God's promise is, listen, I can fix what's broken. I can fix your failure, but I need you to understand that it's bigger than you, I need you to trust. And so let me tell you from my own life a little bit how this works. And, and so when there is a, a reality in my life, a sin in my life that is recurring, one of the things that I do is, is stop and come back. And, but I go before God and my prayer is this, is God, there is something in my soul that's broken. And I know no matter how hard I try, I can't fix soul brokenness. And so I'm asking you to fix me. I'm asking you to make me whole. I'm asking you to fix the hole that's in my soul. Because I've done everything I know to do and I can't. Please help. And the promise of Scripture is I will heal your waywardness. I will heal your waywardness. And Again, God's not going to chase us down. We're going to have to come back on our own. But the question is, will we? Will we? So many followers of Jesus are stumbling through life with souls that are broken. And like the video said, Jesus looks at us totally different than we look at ourselves. He even loves us more than we do. We can trust Him to overcome our failure. Let's pray.